0: Coming up on Nurse Talk, Mitch McConnell says Medicare and Social Security need to be cut because of the soaring deficit. We have a guest that will set the record straight. One of the nation's most prestigious hospitals brings National Labor Board scrutiny over rights of registered nurses to seek union representation. And a quick look at Medicare Advantage programs. All this and more on Nurse Talk. Welcome to Nurse Talk. I'm Casey Hobbs, one of the thousands of nurses on duty today, along with my co host and senior correspondent for Healthcare in America, Donna Smith. Donna, welcome. Good to be with you, Casey. And my, what a show we have today. Indeed, Donna. And if it seems like most everything we talk about today is Medicare related, well, it is. We thought it was important to do our part to clear up a few of the many myths. Okay, let's be more real lies. The Republicans are selling about Social Security, Medicare, expanded Medicare, and pre-existing conditions.
1: Looks like we have just the right person to help us with that. In a few minutes, one of our favorite guests, Alex Lawson, will join us. Alex, as some of you may
0: know, is the Executive Director for Social Security Works. That's great, Donna. But before we launch into these critical issues, do you feel like pushing that button under your desk to share a little laughter? Oh, yeah.
2: Excuse me, Mr. Sloan. Mm. I have your next
0: loan applicant, uh, Ms. Kellner. Oh, yeah, it's great. Barb Kellner.
2: Oh, hello, hey. Barb. Ms. Kellner, please. Yeah, have a seat. How can I help
0: you today? Well, uh, it's Barb Kilner to start out, and uh, I'm pretty interested in getting my hands on one of your small business loans uh-huh. for my piece of business, so I can take a check or like a little stack of cash. Uh, well,
2: okay. <laughs> well, Now, first things first, we're gonna we're gonna have to fill out an application, all right? Oh,
0: okay, good. Then I get my piece of loan. Is that what happens? Uh, no, no. Oh, then hi. then
2: we'll, uh, we'll we'll review your business plan.
0: Obviously. Oh, okay, yeah. good. good. Yeah. good. I got a good pizza place. Oh, yeah?
3: Yeah, man. Well, I, I hope so, because there's a lot of pizza places already in town, so
4: it oh, better be no, good. No, no.
0: I, I don't want to have a pizza place. I want to own and operate my own pizza eating business, because so you can sign that check to Barb Kellner. Wait mm. Mm. Well,
2: i I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, you you expect us to give you money so that you can eat pizza?
0: Yeah, man. That's it. Miss <laughs> Kellner, What gave you the
2: idea that the bank would give you money so that you could
3: eat pizza?
0: Oh, well, that's a good question. Uh, I was familiar with and read that book, Do What You Love and the Money Will Follow. And I said, Barb, you love eating pizza. I have to ask you about the national debt. $21 $21 trillion, mm-hmm. the deficit $779 billion, some predicting that could reach a trillion in 2019.
2: What's going on with the debt? It's very disturbing and it's, it's driven by the three big entitlement programs that are very popular, Medicare, Social Security, and Medicaid. That's 70% of what we spend every year. The subject we were just discussing, the funding of the government, is about 30% of what we spend. Uh, there's been a bipartisan reluctance to tackle entitlement changes because of the popularity of those uh, programs. Uh, hopefully at some point here, uh, we'll get serious about this. We haven't been yet.
0: Difficult to speak after that. Yes, it is. With us on the line is Executive Director of Social Security Works, Alex Lawson. Alex, please respond to the clip.
3: Oh, man. You know, it's actually somewhat surprising that Mitch McConnell, who is um, is really the boss in this town, I mean, Donald Trump, in many ways, uh, works for Mitch McConnell. It's Mitch McConnell who laid out much of the strategy, which he's now reaping the benefit of. He really doesn't make too many mistakes, but that certainly was one, because he accidentally just told the God's honest truth, which is that Republicans are going to come after our Social Security, our Medicare, our Medicaid, no matter what. It's the number one thing that they dream about right uh, usually they like lie in a more sophisticated way and they don't just come out and say it now don't get me wrong Mitch McConnell is still lying here cuz he's a liar that's what he does for pay he's a paid liar for his billionaire paymasters uh and in this one he just gave 1.5 trillion dollars to his criminal friends on Wall Street uh big insurance big pharma you know they cut off a, a few hundred million to try to uh, keep the Republicans in office uh, through just flooding in unregulated money into politics. And the con just keeps going, right? That's how it is. The Republicans give our money to their criminal friends on Wall Street. They cut a piece of it over to the politicians to stay in office to keep it all going. But where does that money come from? Always our pockets, the people's pockets. Uh, So right there, what you heard is Mitch McConnell lying about that Social Security has anything to do with the deficit, that it can in any way affect the deficit, which it can't. By law, Social Security has no borrowing authority. But, you know, he gave $1.5 trillion away to his criminal friends on Wall Street. Now he's going to use that fact as a smokescreen to come after our earned benefits.
0: It's the shock doctrine all over again, and it just gripes me that he has been successful with this stuff. It's unbelievable, Alex. It's,
1: I think it's hard for most of us even to imagine these programs as entitlements. They feel more like earned benefits to lots of us because we've paid into them for so long. And a lot of people still don't know some of the history of Social Security and Medicare. Can you share a little bit, of, give us a little brief history lesson? You
3: just have to keep me, um, make it brief, Donna. You know me. <laughs> um, but uh, I have just one story that I really like to tell. Because The original Monopoly board used to have two spaces, and they were diagonally across the board from each other. Um, one was jail, which we all remember, uh, on the current board, and, and the other was the poorhouse. These two spaces were equally... You didn't want to land on them, right? Because you didn't want to go to jail and you didn't want to end up in the poorhouse.
5: So yeah. What
3: is the poorhouse? Before 1935, when Social Security was signed, and uh, was enacted. Uh, before that time, there was a poorhouse in every single state yes. except New Mexico. You're right. And the poorhouse was where you went if you exhausted all of your money. Basically, if you were poor, you went to the poorhouse and they locked the doors at night. It was an American form of a debtor's prison or something like that. It was primarily filled with older women who had outlasted their savings um, and oftentimes their family support uh, and were too old to work in the economy at the time. And um, the poor houses, or there were also uh, workhouses, work farms, there were a bunch of different names for them and they were an institution i mean everyone would have recognized them from the start of uh, our country to 1935 in fact like parents would tell their children you better work hard or you better go to school or you'll end up in the poorhouse um but it with the enactment of social security basically the concept of poorhouses disappeared from america there's still some vestiges uh, uh, that are around, but there are no more state-sponsored poorhouses, which were debtors' prisons, because Social Security took away uh, the situation that led to them existing. So that space on the Monopoly board was removed and it was replaced with free parking. So I always think that that's like a really good parallel for Social Security from the poorhouse to free parking, because that's Mm. what it was able to do. That's how profound the societal shift of a universal social insurance program like Social Security, um, that's what it can do. I just want to add one more piece to that is that you got to read um, Nancy Altman, the president of Social Security Works' latest book, The Truth About Social Security, You can find a link to it on our website, socialsecurityworks.org. And you'll learn that when Social Security was formed, what we think of as Social Security, um, old age, disability, and life insurance, um, right, that's usually what we consider Social Security. Uh, When Social Security was created, it was a much larger vision. And what we consider Social Security was a small part of it, and it was a cornerstone that FDR laid. Francis Perkins and the heroes who created uh, the Social Security system, they always saw it as an ever-expanding system of economic security, which definitely included a guaranteed health care for everyone in the country. That was, like, next on their list. It was a real big disappointment that they couldn't get it in in, uh, 1935. And they thought it was going to be right up next. Um, it took 30 more years for the enactment of Medicare to actually give health care, a guaranteed health care to people over the age of 65 in this country. Uh, but, you know, each generation has always been tasked with doing our part and expanding this system of economic security.
0: So, Alex, what do people need to know about what the Republicans plan to do with these benefits versus what the Democrats plan to do?
3: Well, that one's simple. The Republicans are going to steal them. They steal our money. They reach their hands into our pockets. They steal our money. It's the first thing they do. They think I overplay this sometimes, but I'm like, no, just look at what they do. Look at the votes that they take. Literally, they got one plan, just yes. one plan steal our money, give it to their criminal friends on Wall Street, their criminal friends on Wall Street and big insurance and big pharma, you know, cut off a small percentage of that, and they give it back in to elect more Republicans to steal more of our money, to give it to the super rich. It's just a con, and, and it's a cycle. But they know it's Social Security. that they, they look at the $2.9 trillion in the trust fund, and they just can't. that they can't get their greedy little hands on it. I mean, they're openly gunning for Social Security, Medicare, and Medicaid. The Republicans voted something like 50 times to decimate uh, Medicare, to slash $800 billion from it, to destroy Medicaid completely, the only provider of long-term care for many people in this country. That's the truth. There's no way about it. It is the overarching strategy and campaign that the republicans have is to steal our earned benefits any way they can and they lie in order to uh, do that like it's really rare that mitch mcconnell tells the truth and goes on tv and says i'm coming after you social security medicare and medicaid but luckily he did so we need to tell people about that record numbers of democrats are running on expanding social security on expanding medicare on expanding Medicare to cover every person in this country, which is the only moral and rational system for health care in this country. So, I mean, the the choice is stark.
1: I heard President Obama this morning say something about that you're voting. uh, we're, We're on the ballot this time is the soul of our nation. Do you agree?
3: I think that the path of our country is divided at this election. Now, one of those paths is a really short road to an authoritarian healthscape. Down the other path is not a short path to the future uh, that we need to build for ourselves and our, our children and our grandchildren. It's still a long fight down the other path, but it's the only path that can get there. It's the only path where we might be able to enact improved Medicare for all where eyes, where vision, dental and hearing are going to be added immediately to Medicare, improving the system right away, getting rid of copays right off the bat and then expanding the system to anyone. That's the path that we can get if we can take
0: back the House and give it to the Democrats. So thank you so much, Alex, for your time. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Alex. We've been talking with Alex Lawson. Alex is the executive director of Social Security Works, and for more information, visit socialsecurityworks.org or nursetalksite.com. Coming up, one of the most prestigious hospitals in the country brings national labor board scrutiny over rights of registered nurses to seek union representation.
1: You're listening to Nurse Talk Radio on Progressive Voices. Tune in and all of our broadcast partners.
2: You're listening to Nurse Talk, where laughter's the best medicine. Senator Bernie Sanders recently said that the fight for universal and comprehensive health care is
0: the civil rights battle of our time. He's right. This is an historic battle of the will of the people against the most powerful special interests in the nation. Many polls have shown that we, the people, favor a single-payer plan two-to-one, but we need your help to win this fight. Go to CaliforniaOneCare.org and sign up now. California OneCare, full care for all, for less.
2: We're a company approaching $200 million in sales. We have 160 employees in the United States in various locations. And what we have seen is that health care has been a runaway cost. This cost is about 18% of our economy, of our gross domestic product. It detracts from our ability to hire employees and retain employees and it is a disincentive for us to grow our businesses in the United States so that's a really serious problem and we're competing with other economies other modern industrialized countries Western European countries Canada that have health care costs half of ours uh, you know we were up in Canada and it certainly doesn't get in the way there We met a lot of conservative business people who embrace their single-payer model. So throughout the country, we're seeing this initiative for single-payer emerge as a moral standpoint.
5: There are going to be more and more people, especially in the age group of 50 and over, who, because age rating is allowed with premiums, be either unable to afford to cover themselves with insurance or they will purchase the insurance and be unable to use it because they won't be able to afford the copays, the deductibles, and the out of pocket expenses. Healthcare is a human right. It's not something that ought to be bartered like a commodity. And we're going to have to be very vigilant about trying to help one another and trying to advocate as strongly as we possibly can to get this changed before we end up sending more people into ill health or, sadly, watching more people die because they can't access basic health care.
0: Most of bankruptcies are a result of health insurance, people having health insurance and being penniless after one catastrophic event.
5: We can't sustain this kind of system anymore, and we're not so inhumane as we want people to suffer without care, because unless we do some serious change right now, that's the direction we're heading in the reality is we're going to have to fight to move forward, to move towards that day when we really provide universal health care to everyone. We believe
1: that health care is the
0: right for everyone. We're holding the line on our and we're holding the line for the other health care workers here. We're holding the line for our patients. We're holding the line for the nurses all over the country. We all
1: deserve proper health care. This is what we deserve as citizens of America.
0: So all of these corporations, they're trying to take advantage of the economy. They're using that as the excuse. So we are nurses, so we can. Oh, uh, scratch that one. We'll start again. We are nurses. So we cannot prescribe diagnosis. Oh, yeah, let's try that one more time. No. Oh, You didn't say that right, Casey. Let's uh, have you read that. Disclaimer, take 10. I can't see. Oh, here, here's some glasses. Oh,
5: Jesus, man. Take 11.
0: We are nurses. <laughs> <laughs> that always gets a laugh, Maggie, because whenever you say we are nurses, I just look at you and laugh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sorry. (laughs) One more time, Casey. A fast one, but a nice one. We are nurses, so we cannot prescribe, diagnose, or treat. We give advice, but we also advise our callers to see their physicians. (laughs) But as always, (laughs) laughter is the best medicine. (laughs) Welcome back to Nurse Talk. I'm Casey Hobbs, along with my co-host, Donna Smith. Thank you, Casey. And we mentioned at the top of the show that one of the nation's
1: most prestigious hospitals was under scrutiny by the National Labor Board over failing to
0: honor the rights of registered nurses to seek union representation. Last month, we shared the story of RNs from Johns Hopkins Hospital declaring their intent to organize a union with National Nurses United, the nation's largest organization of registered nurses.
1: Casey also mentioned in our earlier segment was the aggressive campaign waged by Johns Hopkins against the nurses' right to form a union, which is why the National Labor Board has found merit to the charges brought by the nurses.
0: With us is Johns Hopkins RN, Derek Jennerone. Derek, welcome to Nurse Talk, and thanks so much for being with us today.
4: Thank you for having me.
0: So what and why were the allegations against Johns Hopkins Hospital filed by the NNOC, National Nurses Organizing Committee?
4: So the charges that we filed, there were a few of them, but the ones that they recently found merit with uh, are hospital administration barring access to break rooms and other non-patient care areas um, and generally prohibiting us from talking about the union while we're at work while allowing other non-work conversations going on. Um, and there are other charges that are still under review.
0: I'm just curious, Derek, What? how did that play out, where they tried to keep you from talking about unions in the break room while allowing other conversations to go on?
4: Basically, they pretty much barred us exactly how you would think, like physically standing in front of the break room and not letting us walk in, Uh, kicking us off units, Um, and that's my personal experience. Um, Also, like, being followed around units and being told to leave, Um, and I know there's a lot of other nurses who had the same experiences and sometimes even worse.
0: So they would actually follow the people like yourself who were trying to promote the union and just followed you around while you were working?
4: While we were on other units trying to talk to nurses, um,
0: They would follow you. around.
4: Yeah, like we would try and go into break rooms to give all the accurate information, talk to our fellow nurses on other units, and when we would come onto the unit, they would either tell us immediately to leave or stand in front of the break room door, not let us go in, Mm -hmm. um, and basically create an environment where we weren't able to exercise our federally protected right to organize because of this.
1: What is the significance, do you think, of the National Labor Relations Board finding that there's merit to the charges?
4: So in this political climate, any victory is a big victory, but this victory is especially big. It gives us the freedom to move forward now and talk to all the nurses at Johns Hopkins so they can have the accurate information that they need to make an informed decision once election time comes.
0: That's so good. Now, so have the tactics that they've been employing, have they stopped you from organizing?
4: No. So it definitely made it harder, but it never stopped us. And when I get discouraged, because it's easy to get discouraged, especially coming right out of this really hard busting time, um, when I think about all the millions that Hopkins has poured into busting this union, Instead of like fixing critical patient care issues, I might add, even in spite of that, we've continued to organize and we've continued to make progress.
1: What do you think the next steps are, Derek? What, what do you see?
4: We're just waiting to see if Hopkins will settle or if they'll want to go to trial over it. But as far as us nurses are concerned, we feel like we've already won. We're just really excited. We're really motivated now. And we're just kind of going to go full steam ahead until we get to our election and we win it.
0: Excellent. That's so great. So can you give us a quick overview of what prompted the Johns Hopkins nurses to reach out to National Nurses United to help organize a union?
4: So Hopkins in this area, it's public knowledge that you start work at Hopkins as a resume builder. You put in your time there. You inevitably get burnout. And then you use the name on your resume to get another job. And I was coming from Philadelphia, and I had even heard that up there. And we want to change that. We want Hopkins to be a place that nurses come and they stay. And that's impossible now with our chronic high turnover rates, understaffing, just general unsafe patient conditions across the hospital.
0: Derek, thank you so much for being with us today, but especially thank you for this good fight. It really means a lot to all of us.
1: Absolutely. And thank you so much, Derek. Is there anything else you want to share with the listeners?
0: Well, I would just like
4: to say thank you to you all and all the nurses in California, across the country, and around the whole world who have spoken up in support of us. Um, it's during the last few months of really hard busting, it felt really good to know that all these nurses all over were, you know, in our corner. And if there's anybody I want in my corner, it's a bunch of fired up nurses. So it really helped us get through that time. So thank you.
0: Excellent.
1: Thank you. Thank you, Derek, so much. And from someone who has been a patient at Johns Hopkins and has loved ones who've been there, Thank you for standing up for the patients there too. And for great segue to to say, and for the nurses across the country that want to support the great work of the nurses at Johns Hopkins, uh, you can join them on Facebook at Hopkins Nurses United. You'll find it at www.facebook.com slash Hopkins Nurses United and go check it out and give them some support because it's a tough fight against a big hospital that ha- and there's a lot at stake. Thanks so much, Derek.
4: Thank you.
0: Okay, Donna, give us the latest scoop on Medicare Advantage.
1: Well, as you might imagine, Casey, the big insurance companies are ready to get some big money out of Medicare Advantage, uh, as they have been. But the Center for Medicare Services is, is wanting to do some uh, investigating and recouping of some money from the, the dear insurance companies. One of the things that happens with a Medicare Advantage plans, not supplemental plans, not Medigap plans, but Medicare Advantage plans, is that the insurance companies get paid an extra little bump from the federal government every time a certain disease group they treat and they, they make sure. Or they say they make sure that they're able to cut some of those costs for Medicare because they manage the patient's disease. We're talking things like diabetes, uh, pre-diabetes, things like um, asthma, chronic conditions that they can tag you on your medical record. And the worry that many patients have is that in a way they may be upcoded in what a diagnosis of of their condition may be. Maybe they have a. Call or they have a little bit of a cold, and suddenly they're being treated for a respiratory ailment that may or may not be something that continues, but it's something that the provider is going to get a little, and the insurance company are going to get a little bump from uh, the government for having treated. So be careful, folks, when you're shopping. It's open enrollment time for Medicare plans, so if you're searching for a Medicare plan, Be careful about Medicare Advantage. I know so many of them are attractive because they've got, you know, some of them have no premium whatsoever that you pay and you end up with no co-pays and no deductibles, all very attractive stuff. But if you cannot get the services that you truly need because the insurance company is being reimbursed at a higher rate for something you may or may not need, that's not a good thing.
0: Let me tell you, Donna, I see this every single day because um, i work in a facility now that we take people from the acute care hospitals and there is such a stark difference between when i accept a patient who has straight medicare versus a medicare advantage so let me give you an example if you have a three night stay in a hospital and you need rehabilitation which is physical therapy occupational therapy speech therapy if you have straight Mm -hmm. medicare and you come to my skilled nursing facility you are guaranteed up to 90 days of skilled nursing care paid for by the government as long as you show improvement with rehabilitation services. On the other hand, Mm -hmm. if you had a a Medicare Advantage program, you've got, usually they give me 20 days. And Mm. at 15 days, they're already pushing me to push the patient out the door. And they will not go above the 20 days, regardless of how much. I just had a gentleman who broke his femur, which is the longest- bone in your body Mm. and also the one that's most difficult to heal. This man was 85 years old and because of his Medicare Advantage plan, he was denied further stay in skilled nursing that he was guaranteed under straight Medicare. So really be careful about those Medicare Advantage plans.
1: Absolutely. They may seem like they're a good deal at the front, at the outset. And if you're healthy and things are going well, no problem. But again, if you have that unexpected fall or injury or illness you may end up exactly where you're talking about, Casey. We know you and I have talked about it where my mom is concerned. And so many other people are facing these problems. Be smart, be proactive, and think before you buy those plans. And
0: Donna's right that now is open enrollment. So if you want to get out of a Medicare Advantage plan, now is the time to go back to a straight Medicare system that actually, in my estimation, serves you better and gives you better outcomes than when you have a Medicare Senior Advantage plan. Right on, Casey. That's it for today. Thanks for listening, and thank you to our executive producer, Patty Lockard, sound design and engineering June Miller and JMC Sound, and they are not like Medicare Advantage because she's here for me, Taylor Lockard, who does research.
1: And National Nurses United, and all the nurses on duty today, and of course, our listeners and our guests. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs)